Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Amazing. My name's Stephen. Uh, my wife, Brittany, and I are the location pastors of C3 Calgary Central, our downtown location. But we're a part of this church family, and we're just so happy to, to be here. It's great to have some of our central people here visiting as well. We don't have a service in our location uh, for a couple of weeks because of the venue availability, but we thought the, uh, the central side would come and invade the west side, and we'd just be one happy family together here. So it's awesome. And uh, I'm very happy to be here. It's a privilege to get to speak today. I have a word today, I believe. For some of us, it's going to be a reminder of, uh, of why we value the Word of God in our life. For some of us, it's going to be a refresher of, yeah, I need to get into the Word of God again. And maybe if, if you're new to church, it's your first time here, uh, you're not sure where you are at with your faith, this might be, uh, give a bit of clarity about what we believe about the Bible and the Word of God. Because, friends... This is not just an ordinary book. This is the words of God. And we're all invited in to get to uh, experience that. No one can say God doesn't speak to me because he has and he does through his word. Is that right? So we're so happy you're here today. I got to meet a few people already. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you after service. And uh, I'm excited about this word because I'm passionate about the Bible and the Word of God. We've been doing a series, let me catch you on up if you haven't been here, um, across both locations, we've been doing a What is Truth series. What is truth? What we believe, why it matters, and how it changes our world. And I know, just like at Central, here on the West Side, I love calling it the West Side, it's the West location, but it's all good. The West Side, it sounds a bit more, you know, gangster, it sounds, it sounds nice and fun there. Um, throw, up the, throw up the west side, any west side peeps. Anyway, that was meant to be a W. It wasn't, I wasn't giving any inappropriate symbol in church to anyone. But I know Pastor Brittany, my, my wife brought a great message last week on the, on the enemy and spiritual warfare. And you've, we've had Pastor Fenn speaking as well and Sarana and then Pastor Bill Olson from C3 North. And, and then I get to bring uh, one of our core convictions as well as we look at the 12 core convictions that hold us together as C3 Global. I love that we're part of a global church that isn't built necessarily on on structure or dogma, but is built on relationship. And that's been such a blessing to myself and to my family that we have churches all around the world, but all around Canada who, uh, it's not just about being a part of an organization, we're actually in relationship and family and friendship with them. And so there's so much diversity in C3 Global. We have over 550 churches, and um, some of those are in the Middle East. Some of them are in Africa. Some of those are in Australia, even in Tasmania, where I'm from. Who would have thought, hey, the ends of the earth? And, uh, but something that brings us together is, is these convictions, these 12 that you can find in our statement of faith. I think there's one at the information desk after the service, and uh, these aren't just um, points or theological points that are dry. These are actually life-changing things. So I'm looking forward to preaching it. So say, hurry up and preach already. It's sunny outside. 
Yeah, by the afternoon, we'll all be complaining it's too hot. We'll want to come inside again. That's how we go, isn't it? So, but as a pastor, I've had so many opportunities to be with people um, in their highest of high moments and, and lowest of low moments, in times of celebration, in times of grieving, in, on wedding days, on funerals when we've lost young ones, on when uh, babies have been born and uh, actually, uh, I think I saw Jesse over here. Um, we're welcoming a new baby to the, to the world, Josiah Daniel. He's not here today, but the father is here and little Benjamin there. And we're praying for baby Josiah, such an amazing thing. And all these, we get to see people at, at their best and at their worst. And maybe you get to experience this just as a follower of Christ. But this is what I've found, two things that always um, bring healing or comfort or power is the power of prayer in those moments and the power of the Word of God. Often there's things that I can't even say, I can't do, I, anything I say is probably just going to make it worse, but, but there's something about when the Scriptures are shared appropriately in a moment, it can change everything. And think about it, what other words, what other thing is both used at the pinnacle of someone's marriage, we share the Holy Scriptures, and also at a funeral when someone's passed away, we share the scriptures. I've seen the scripture shared in the hospital um, rooms and healings taking place just because of the power of the word of God. I've seen, even in the last couple of weeks, one, a friend sharing the scriptures and demonic manifestation taking place. Demons get triggered by the word of God. If you want to, my wife preached on it last week on the enemy's only as powerful as, as we let him be in many ways, but he does have a hold and, and, and on people. And that, But when the Word of God is, is shared in faith, demons turn into snowflakes and get triggered and manifest in that time. The Word of God is powerful. And that's what I'm speaking about today. So the C3 statement of faith that, that I get the privilege of sharing today is we believe this as C3. The Bible is the living Word of God. Can you say living? It's infallible, authoritative, and everlasting, and is the foundation of all Christian doctrine. Do we believe that, church? Let's jump into the scriptures. Psalm 119 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, and therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love that, that the Word of God is meant to be a lamp and a light for us. The Scriptures are meant to guide our feet in this day and age, in this culture, in this time we're in, where it can seem very dark, the Scripture is meant to light that up for us and show us that, hey, yeah, things seem bad, things seem dark around you, and they are, but there's something more powerful and that's the words of God. It's meant to be a lamp that shows us the path to take in a world where there's seemingly unlimited paths that we're meant to take. Do you ever find that? There's always something crying out for our, our attention. Pick me, pick me, take this way. Choose to be this way. Identify as this. Go and do this. Move to this place. Be here. You don't need to do that. And, and, but that actually God has a path for each one of us to take. But sometimes the world feels a little bit like a Netflix kind of deal. I don't know if this happens to you when you tune into any streaming platform, sometimes too many choices can be overwhelming. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like occasionally, Brittany and I sit down to watch a TV show and 
We don't know what we're going to pick. And you open up the app there, and all of a sudden, you're facing all these choices. And I don't know about you, but I actually get, in that moment, um, I get disabled from being able to do anything. It's too many choices actually aren't a good thing. They actually stunt us where we are sometimes. But I feel like that's the world we're in at the moment, even with high gas prices, even with limited mobility for some people and things to do, we still have so many pathways and choices crying out and it can actually be overwhelming and intimidating. But here's the good news. This is meant to be a lamp that lights up the path that we are to take. And God's actually given us direction in a world where it can be overwhelming. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let that be true for each one of us. Amen. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is powerful. Uh, today I'm going to break down a little bit of what our statement of faith, we're going to go through it, but at the, towards the end, I'm going to give some practical applications, I believe, for reading our Word. It's good to have a refresher sometimes, and I know there's people here today who have been reading the Word longer than I've even been a Christian. I, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I gave my life to the Lord as, as a teenager. Some people have actually been reading the Word regularly and daily since before I was even born, but you don't have to put your hand up. That's okay. But... But for you, this is going to be a great refresher that you've been doing the things right. You're on the right track. And for some of us, I hope it enables us the ability to pick up this Word of God and go, wow, as much as this is living and alive and the holy words of God, He's made it accessible for you and I. He's made it doable and achievable to be in His Word. So primarily, the Word of God, guess what? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. In a me, 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 me world, me, 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 this is actually about God primarily, who he is, how he acts, his characteristics, how low, come on, get it out, his direction, he's all these things, and, and it's actually a book about God. We're not to approach it as a book about me, but here's the thing. In finding out who God is through his word, we find out so much about ourselves, because we can't actually know ourselves unless we know our Creator. We can't know ourselves unless we know our Father in heaven, who we are made in His image. So the Bible, the Word of God, is about God. It's about who He is. But in that, we find who we truly are. And that's where we find our identity. Not in the world around us, but in the Word of God and in who He, he is. i got a confession to make before we jump into more Scripture. I'm... I'm a Bible geek. I love the Bible. Like, I geek out on the Bible. I went to Bible college uh, for a couple years. I'm currently doing a, a bachelor in theology, majoring in biblical studies. Like, I love studying the Bible. I'm fascinated by the complexities of how it was put together, how it got to our hands. Do you know that people actually died just to get the Word of God translated so that we can have it today? People gave their lives up. People went to battle, people sacrificed their entire life simply to try and get the words of God accessible to people. And now we click, click it on a phone, pops up on our app, we put it aside. But just the history of how the word of God came to us here 
in Canada, in Calgary today, is mind-blowing and fascinating, and I love studying that. And my natural tendency is to have an approach of, when I'm taking on this topic, I thought that I was going to come in and give us a great defense for the Word of God and apologetics, of which I love so much. But this is what uh, the Lord reminded me of, and it's a Charles Spurgeon quote. He said, the Word of God doesn't need defending, uh, it doesn't need to be defended, just like a lion doesn't need to be defended. All it needs is to be let out of its cage. I want to let the Word of God out of the cage today and let the Word of God do the defending in this. But here, this I actually got today, this is the first Bible I ever received uh, after I gave my life as a teenager to the Lord. Now, it used to have a cover on it. Some of you guys are going to know what I'm talking about here. Late 2000s, maybe, maybe late 90s, early 2000s, DC Talk, Jesus Freak, Book of the Martyrs edition, a furry cover. You could pat it. It was so furry and nice. It came with the Book of the Martyrs book. This was the first Bible I received um, from my brother after uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And I, so I thought it was cool to kind of bring that out and, and use that today. But it's seen a bit of action, as you can see. So I'll read here from my iPad where I can actually understand the words. Psalms 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Speaking of the written law, reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I'm thankful that I can access wisdom and I can become wise. As, as a simple person, as we all are in the context of who God is, He's actually given us something that every one of us can become wise. So it's the testimony, speaking of the written testimony of the Lord is sure, and it makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. This is great. This is amazing stuff about the Word of God. It says, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them is a great reward. More to be desired... Than gold, even much fine gold. Don't know if any of you guys are keeping up on gold prices these days per an ounce. But guess what? The word of God is more valuable than gold. It's sweeter than honey. That's sweet. The psalmist seemed to have a fascination with honey and the word of God. But it's speaking that the word of God is valuable and sweet and good for us. Are we treating it that way, church? Am I treating it that way? Or am I taking it for granted, as I so often do, because of the comfortable world I live in? I don't want to be a person that thinks gold's more valuable, that thinks silver. This is actually more valuable than anything the world has to offer. It says the word is perfect, reviving the soul. Hey, so many of us in the last couple of years have felt dry in our souls. I don't know if you have, have felt um, confused or, or just like we not quite where we were before, and we used to be, find it easier to get up, and we used to find it easier to get motivating, but this is what the promise of the Word of God is, is that we're in it. If we value it, if we honor it, it will revive our soul. The Word of God brings revival. Its testimony is sure. It brings wisdom. Who needs wisdom? I need wisdom in my life. I need wisdom in every day of my life, in the decisions I make, in how I raise my family, in how I'm a spouse and how I lead my church, and it's in the Word of God we can find wisdom for whatever we're facing. So let's go through our statement of faith here. 
the first thing, the first claim we make as C3 is that the Word of God is living. It's living. Now, what does that even mean? I don't know if you've had the experience. I certainly haven't, where I've opened up my Bible on my desk, and all of a sudden, it's grown little feet. It's ran across my desk, and I'm trying to catch it. I haven't had that experience. I haven't had the experience where, where it starts to um, you know, talk to me like it's alive in the sense that it, it's actually... What does it mean that it's alive? This is something we say in church, but what does that actually mean that it's living? Peter makes this claim, and uh, in, in First Peter... Uh, he talks about uh, the word is, is living. Well, in a zoomed out perspective, I think we can see that there's something about the word of God that is different to just words on a page, right? Like even today, if you're not a follower of Christ here and you'll get that opportunity at the end of the service, um, there's not many books, if any other, that have for every generation since its conception brought freshness, brought life, brought wisdom, brought guidance into each generation in a fresh and a new and relevant way and haven't just been read for historical reasons but are actually read because it changes our life today. The Word of God is living. It survives every generation. But, but I think there's more to it than that. You know, there's some other books that have lasted the distance of time. Most books we read, the top 10 of this year on the New York best sell a list, whatever it is, will be forgotten by next year. But a couple survive. So what is it? There must be more to it then. What does it mean that the word is living to you and I? Well, Matthew 13, we see Jesus uh, sharing a parable, talking about the word of God. And, and in this, he talks about seeds and when the, the word of God is a seed and it gets scattered. So when we're exploring this, the, the word of God, this is seeds. Now, what are seeds? Think about a seed for a moment. I've got a few seed stories today. We've been doing a lot of gardening, um, and it's a great analogy, the one that Scripture uses. And, uh, but, but what's the potential in a seed? Unlimited life. Unlimited life. A little seed can be planted, and if it's nurtured and cared for in the right soil and, and looked after, it will then grow on to generate more seed that will grow more, and a small little seed can become a forest can become a vineyard, it can become a, a fruit-bearing um, vineyard in our lives because of the potential of life. And Jesus says the Word of God is like seed and uh, a farmer throwing seed. And depending on the, the ground that it lands on, if it, if it lands on hard, rocky surface, then it attempts to take root but, but can't grow uh, and it ends up drying out. If it lands on a place where there's lots of weeds that can get choked out, but if it lands on fertile, receptive soil, then it will grow and it will turn into that little life that is a seed will turn into even so much more, evidently. Psalm 1 in the message translation says, how well God must like you. You don't walk in the ruts of those blind as bats. I love the message paraphrase sometimes. You don't stand with the good for nothings. You don't take your seat among the know-it-alls. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night, and here's the result. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. That's the word of God. That's the potential for the word of God. It's living, and it can be alive in our life if we let it. Is the word of God living to you and I today? Can you say living? Living. living. Lord, let us 
allow the Scriptures to be alive in our lives. The second claim we, we make as C3 or boundary that we have is that it's infallible. It cannot fail. The Word of God doesn't fail. Proverbs 30 verse 5, Every word of God is flawless, and He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. This, the Word of God talks about it this over and over again, that it, that it doesn't fail, it's, it's flawless, that it's perfect, that, um, that things will come around us that fail. Has anybody ever trusted in something that you thought was sturdy, that was infallible, that wasn't going to be shaken, and then all of a sudden it's taken from you, and you go, where am I now? This happened to many of us over the last couple of years. Those things that I thought were secure... Those things that I thought would last forever, that this, it was certain, this was my life, this is how it was going, this was the security I had it in, and it was in my relationship or in my job or in my persona or whatever it was, and then all of a sudden it's taken. And where are we left? Picking up the pieces of trusting in something that was bound to fail eventually, but the Word of God is not that. The Word of God cannot fail. Year after year, the Bible has withstood the test of humans who have challenged Volatile or Dawkins or Hitchens or Krauss or any of these people who come against the Word of God saying it's false and don't bring accusations. Not one of them has stood up the test of time. The Word of God's still standing. They are not. Now, the Word of God's perfect and infallible, but that doesn't mean our perspective of it is. That doesn't mean our interpretation of it is. That doesn't even mean as a preacher the the way I present it always is. But just because the vessel of delivery can fail and be flawed and and not can be, is flawed and is failed, does not mean that the Word of God has failed. And some of us need to hear that today. I, I believe there's people here who you've had the Word of God used against you in a way that it was never intended for. And that was, uh, that was a failed vessel, but that didn't mean, doesn't mean the Word of God fails. You know what I'm saying here today? Some of us have, have tried and attempted, and we thought we were hearing something from the Word of God, and it ends up it was our flawed perspective, our interpretation, which we all have at some point. But just because the method of delivery or just because what we were trusting in fails does not mean the Word of God has failed. Proverbs 30 verse 5 again, every word of God is flawless. We have to approach this in an act of faith. And so how does this work practically in our life? Well, when we're reading the word of God, or we're trusting in something, and then something goes wrong, we're faced with a decision of, was it the word that failed, or did something else get in the way? And this happens all the time to all of us, including me as a pastor as a Bible geek, I, we think it's saying something, but when we actually zoom out, maybe that was just us. Maybe we let a little bit of flesh get in there. Maybe we let a little bit of pride get in there. Maybe we let someone's voice be a little louder than it should have been telling us what to do. Hey, all these things fail, but the Word of God does not fail. It is flawless. We need to pick it up again and trust in faith that God is who He says He is, and His Word is what He says it is, which is flawless. Third is that we say it's authoritative. Can you say authoritative? Authoritative. I like it. You're a lively bunch. I love this. You know, love all of our central peeps, some of here here today, but we're sometimes a reflective bunch. We, we kind of ponder and, you know, we're, 
with Pandava. You guys are alive, and I, I love it so much. Authoritative. The authority for a follower of God, hear this, is not subject to the trends of the world around us, not subject to the latest pop psychology or pop science or anything. It's subject to the authority of the Word of God. Now, we can benefit so much from, being, from these things that maybe aren't directly spoken from, from the Word of God. Um, I'm a, I love books. I love reading, especially summertime. And we can read books who maybe they're not even written from a Christian worldview or perspective that are very beneficial. I don't know if you've ever read a leadership book or a self-development, any of these things, right? They're very healthy. Maybe you go seek a counselor and they're not directly um, talking like from the Bible, but they're, they're speaking biblical truths through what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So the Word of God is authoritative. But what I've found is those things that truly benefit us, those things that truly bring freedom, that maybe they don't even realize it, they actually often are tapping into something that the Scriptures have already laid out. So I'm not saying that the only book you should ever read and the only thing is that we're not saying that here, but what we are saying is that it's authoritative. It has the ultimate say. The Word of God has the ultimate say. So if something comes that contradicts the Word of God, Word of God wins. The Word of God trumps any other nice ideology, nice viewpoint, nice political idea or whatever. The Word of God wins. If things come along that harmonize with the Scripture and are within the bounds, then awesome. All glory to God, right? Because it's in His Word anyway, and the truth's coming through Him. We need to understand the authority of the Word of God in our life and trust that. Are we allowing the words of God to be authoritative in our walk with Him and in the world around Him? Even when someone else comes and wants us to do something that goes against our convictions, that contradicts the Word of God, are we allowing the Word to have the ultimate say? The follower of Christ holds Scripture in high regards, just as Jesus did, and it directs us, guides us, teaches us, empowers us. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. The Bible lays out to us that all of us, no matter how you feel today, no matter what you think about this, that all of us are designed for good works. For God. God's actually given us good works to do, not to gain His love, but from a place of being loved and accepted before we even did anything for Him. Before we even thought of following him, God loved us fully that he went to the cross. And out of that place of already being loved, that empowers us for the good works he has for us. And the Bible says that it makes us competent. The scriptures make us competent and equipped for those good works. Who wants to do good works in their life? I want to do good works. I want to make a difference. I want to live a life that changes the world around me. Well, guess what? If I want to be equipped, then I need to be in the word of God. It needs to be authoritative in my life. It needs to be directing me and guiding me. And that's how we do it, through the Word of God. Authoritative. Is the Word of God having authority in your life? Or is it just a nice idea? We're getting there, guys. We're getting there. The fourth is we say it's everlasting in our, in our statement of faith. 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We read in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. The word of God is everlasting, eternal. And the fifth is that we say it's the foundation for all Christian doctrine. This is super important in this day and age that we live in. Um, we live in a society, a culture, where people believe all kinds of things, and, and people are free to, free to do that. They can do it. But let's not be the people who claim to be Christian and following Christ, but then don't actually, the things that we believe fall out of the bounds of Scripture. You know what I'm saying? Like often we can get these funky beliefs in our life. We can all do it if we allow it. But actually, as soon as something is outside of the Word of God, it is no longer a part of Christian doctrine. That's not a scary word, doctrine, by the way. That's a life-giving word. Uh, the Bible tells us that uh, never forsake teaching sound doctrine, the Apostle Paul's instruction is. So anything outside of the bounds of Scripture, no, it disqualifies itself from following Christ. And often I, I hear these nice ideas and we see them on Instagram and uh, maybe I've even been guilty of sharing them accidentally sometimes, which I'm so thankful for God's grace. But, but we can say things like this, well, well, I love Jesus and I'm just going to follow him, but I'm just not sure about all that theology and, and things like that. Nice idea, right? We just want to follow Jesus. Here's the thing. As soon as you start talking about Jesus, you're talking about theology. Guess what? We're all theologians here today. If we're thinking about God, if we think about these things, if we follow Jesus, you are now a theologian, and our theology needs to be driven by the Word of God. We don't need the Bible anymore. We just need to love others. Ah, beautiful. We should love others, right? We should be the most loving people in the world. People should be, uh, we should be a contradiction to our neighbors around us. They're one of those Christians, aren't they? They're one of those old-fashioned ones. They're one of those biggest, but man, they love me more than anyone else on this street. Man, they were kind to me when I needed someone to be kind to me. They go out of their way, even though, they know, even though I turn my shoulder to them, they go out of their way. We should be a contradiction of how much we love people. But here's the thing. Um, where am I going with that? Lord, help me. Um, we don't need the Bible. We just need to love others. Well, here's the thing. We don't know how to truly love others unless we're in his word. Because you can just make up a definition of love in this world today. But it doesn't matter what the world makes up around us. To us, the word's what matters. Jesus demonstrates his love, so we need to read how Jesus loved, directs us, and gives us boundary. We can't love others truly unless we're in the word of God. We need the Bible to love others properly. I could go on, but I won't. I want to get to a couple practical things here as we close up today. Romans 15 verse 4 says, I, I, by the way, I 100% am excited about C3's statement of faith, and we will preach the Bible here, and we will preach the Bible in C3 Church for as, for, until the end of times, okay? So if you want people, a place that preaches the Word, if you're going to get upset or confronted by the Scriptures, well, time to get ready, because we are a Bible-believing, Bible-orientated church here, and I, it doesn't mean we'll do it perfect, doesn't mean we'll always get it right, but our heart's desire is to preach Scripture, not opinion, preach Scripture that's going to be life-giving and life-changing, teamed with the Holy Spirit, and I want us to be a people who aren't just relying on a Sunday for that feeding of the Word of God, but every day we actually get to partake 
in the scriptures as well. We believe in the Bible here, that it's living, that it's authoritative, that it's everlasting, the basis for all Christian doctrine, and it's infallible. And if you believe that too, say amen. 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 Awesome. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page here today as I lose my voice up here. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. This is the amazing thing about the Word of God. It's meant to bring us hope. When we read the Scriptures, when we read what the Lord did in former days and how He rescued the Israelites from all everything around them, that's meant to bring us hope that He will do the same for us. When we see the Israelites and their unfaithfulness over the, the years to God and they're walking away, but God's faithfulness to them, that's meant to remind us that even when we're unfaithful to God, He is faithful to us. When we see the miracles and the acts uh, in the book of Acts and the healings that take place and that our God's still a supernatural God, that brings us hope that, that maybe there's a healing for us, maybe there's a breakthrough for us, maybe, maybe there's something that God's going to do in our world. The Bible's meant to bring us hope, not despair. Let's read the scriptures from a place of hope. I want to give us a few quick pointers here in doing this. This is what I've found in my own life as a, as a pastor, also observing others around me. This is a general template. Maybe you guys have a different way of doing it, and the Lord's directed you in a different way. That's amazing. This is for the rest of us, including me. I have found that my time in the Word, I'm talking outside of the church context setting here in our own life as individuals, the Word of God best functions when we consume it in regular, consistent, small dosages over large, inconsistent doses, right? You know what I'm saying there. So uh, when I used to be, when I was a believer following God, I was like, I wouldn't read my Bible, wouldn't read it, and then I'd try and all of a sudden read like five books at once and think God's going to speak to me. That can happen. But what I've found is actually regular small dosages is better because the Word of God's a seed, right? And it gets planted. And this is what's happening in my life at the moment. Uh, let me use an analogy for this because I really do believe some of us, we feel bad at times that we're not reading the Word of God, which um, if we get feeling condemned, that's not from God. Conviction can be from God, not condemnation. It doesn't make us feel bad, and that's the enemy. And that creates a cycle where we don't read the Word. But then we panic, and so we try to consume a whole, month, a whole bunch. And it's like if you've ever fasted for a few days, and then you went to McDonald's and just bought like 20 McNuggets and tried to eat it, you feel a little sick afterwards, and it, maybe it ends up coming out, and you wasted that whole time anyway. <laughs> we got, actually got to take it in small dosages. But um, a few days ago, oh, sorry, like a couple of weeks ago, I guess, um, one of my neighbors made a friendly passing comment about how short I cut my grass. Um, just made a comment. You know, he just said, hey, you're cutting your grass pretty short there on the front. I wouldn't cut it that short if I was you. So that's what he said. But this is what I heard. I'm challenging you to see who have the best grass by the end of the summer. And some other guys, you might be able to relate to me if you've ever had that kind of thing said to you. I wouldn't cut it that short. Challenge accepted. So we've been in an unofficial 8th Avenue, southeast Calgary, grass, front grass competition. And, uh, but here's what he doesn't know. What I've been doing, studying up on grass a lot, I've been sneaking out at nighttime when the, all, the, all the street is sleeping, and I've been adding a few extra seeds, extra bit of fertilizer on my front lawn, been watering it at the perfect amount of time, not too long, not too short, the right amount of time, according to Wikipedia. And I've been doing these things, and this... 
this is what it is. Come heaven or high water, by the end of summer, I'm going to have the best grass on Eighth Avenue Southeast. Can you say amen? Do we believe in faith? Prophesy. But, but here's the thing. Some of you guys are saying, you're so petty, Pastor Stephen. Yes, I am. Are you going to change, Pastor Stephen? Give me a few days and maybe I will, but not yet. I'm not ready to let it go. Cutting my grass too short. It's perfect. Here's the thing, though. With these seeds that I'm placing on the grass, I get up the next day and I haven't necessarily seen a difference. But I know by the end of the summer I will. That's what seed works, right? We, we plant seed and then, and then we allow it to, to grow. We do that in small dosages. You don't want to overseed a place. You don't want to put no seed. And we cultivate an environment for it to grow in. And I know that, hey, tomorrow I might not see the fruit of this, the benefit of this, but I know from weeks and months from now I will. Some of you guys who have gone through something recently haven't realized that the reason you've got through it so well is because of seed that you sowed years ago in the Word of God. And maybe in areas for others of us who haven't quite got through things, maybe it's because we, we didn't sow the seed we were meant to. But here's the great thing about seed. It's never too late to start planting it. And we can change that today. Regular, small dosages. And, and linked with that is don't always expect a booming, hit the ground, clouds part revelation every time you we, read the Word of God. Trust in faith that it's seed that's being planted. Sometimes the most holy, amazing experiences I've had with God are reading His Word, and other times it's a subtle presence of God, and I close my scriptures, and I say, thank you, Lord, that seed was planted today. I might not even feel it. I might not know it, Lord, but I know that your Word is seed in my life, so I'm going to stick with it whether I get the amazing experience or I'm doing it out of obedience to you because I trust that your seed is being planted. Okay, the third thing, very quickly here. So regular small dosages. Um, don't always expect the booming revelation, though enjoy and praise God when they come, right? Thirdly, um, that the Holy Spirit's the author. And I can have the worship team come back up here. And I had a, um, I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you got to sit down with an author who wrote a book and ask them questions. When I was at university, before I did Bible college, one of my professors, lecturers of one of my topics, I was studying a Bachelor of Education, he'd actually written the textbook, which was the required reading in all of the Australian universities. So we had the textbook that was required, but we actually had the author in our class as our teacher. I tell you what, the experience was a night and day difference of reading a dry textbook, but then also actually just getting to sit there and ask him questions about, it. hey, what did you mean by this? Can you expand on that more? And we got to ask the author questions. When we read the Word of God, every one of us has the same opportunity because the Holy Spirit is the author of Scriptures. Jesus says that the Holy, Script, uh, sorry, the Holy Spirit will be with us and in us. When we're reading the Word of God, we're not alone. And I just get a picture that some of us have felt alone when we've been reading the Word of God. And actually, the Holy Spirit's just been standing right over our shoulder saying, hey, would you ask me? Hey, would you, would you seek me a little bit? Would you ask me what I meant by that? I know it's a little confusing. I'm right here ready. I'm right here waiting. The author of the scripture is right there with us when we're reading the word of God. Isn't that powerful? So remember, when we read the word of God, we're not alone. We get to ask the author and invite the Holy Spirit in. That will take these from words on a page to the living, breathing word of God as we interact with the Holy Spirit. And the fourth thing is we need to uh, process the word of God in community. God's designed us for community. He's designed us for community. 
talk about the Scriptures. C3, let's be a people who talk about the Scriptures with our spouses, with our friends, in our connect groups. That's one of the reasons why it's so important to have a connect group in our life, that we have people we can talk about. Hey, I was reading the Scriptures and this just really impacted me. I wanted to share it with you. Or having friends in our lives that, that we can do this with. Hey, have you ever read this? Isn't that confusing? What do you think about that? We're, we're actually designed for community. God's designed us for community. And if we're trying to do it alone, of course He can speak to us. Of course He can do things. But I've found the best um, sharpening and experience that I can have with the Word of God in my life is when I talk about the Scriptures. I share the Scriptures. I have people who keep me accountable in the Scriptures. People who will do life with me and do the reading of the Word of God with me as well. So C3... We're people who believe in the living Bible. It's everlasting, it's infallible, it's authoritative. It's the basis for all Christian doctrine. And and God actually can speak to you through the Word of God. Let's be a people who pick it up. My encouragement today is simply that. Let's be a people who are of the Word. Let's read our Bibles. Let's not make make excuses. I have a little uh, image I just want to show on the screen before we go into a time of worship. Now, this is a thing called a meme. It's a joke. It's meant to be funny. So take it that way, okay, guys? It says, me, I just don't have time to read the Bible. Also me, watching the show Love Island. I don't even know what that show is, but it sounds awful. It's just a joke. But I think there's some truth in it, right? For all of us. Don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. No, we're too busy not to, like, we need the Word of God so much. We need to make the time to be in His Word. And is there something in your life, I hope it's not Love Island, but you could sacrifice five minutes a day, 10 minutes less of that a day where you can get into your Scripture. If you already do 10 minutes, maybe it's 20 minutes. What's, what's taking your time from being in the living, breathing, authoritative Word of God that He's given us? And let's be a people who commit to that. Amen? Okay, you can take that. Garbage off the screen there, Love Island. What kind of show is that? If any of you guys watch that, God bless you. I'll pray for you afterwards. Let's stand in this place. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, we do not worship the Bible. We worship the God revealed through the Bible. And it's the God who parted oceans to free His people. It's the God who died for us and rose again. It's the God who uh, says in His Word that even while we were running from Him, even while we were enemies with Him, He laid down His life and died for us. We don't worship the Bible, but we worship the God revealed through the Bible. We're going to go into a time of worship here. And I, I want to open up this space. Man, you're so blessed here with this space. If Central had this space, I'd, I'd be a very happy man. But this is an altar. And in this time of worship, if you just want to come and worship the God of the Bible, and you want to come out from your seat and worship down here, I encourage you to do that. If you're leading, we're going to go into a couple songs of worship and we're worshiping the God of the Bible, our Creator. And maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you're far from Him in this place and you want to commit your life or recommit your life to Him. In this time of worship, where everyone else is worshiping, I'm going to be down the front just right here. I'd love for you to come to me now during that time. And I'd love to pray with you as you make a rededication to Him or you say, I want to follow the God of the Bible. And for the rest of us, we're going to open up into a time of worship. At the end of the service, uh, Caitlin will come and invite us to the prayer team forward and everything like that. 
But I'm going to be down here for anyone who wants to give their life to Jesus or recommit their life to Jesus. For the, the rest of us, let's worship God in a powerful, living way. God reveals Himself through His Word, and then we're required to take a step of action and love and worship and praise Him. Thank you for allowing me to preach today. Let's take it away, worship team. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.